0: great spirituality is walking through one of the most personally honest transparent letters that paul writes of the selection of letters we have of his in the new testament of his bible this one is raw it's real and it's helpful in so many ways so many pages uh, in, in this wonderful letter I, I find paul's story meeting my story our story and ultimately meeting meeting god and today I'd like to ask the question of you, are are you a spiritually confident person? I wanna talk about spiritual confidence. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you that, but are you spiritually confident? And I have met thousands of Christians who I would call spiritually insecure. They're always saying to me, oh, I'm not that good a Christian pastor. I I don't know, oh, you want me to pray for that? Uh, I don't know, I don't feel very worthy of that. And they kind of trip over themselves. And I'm not talking, are you spiritually cocky? I'm saying, are you spiritually confident in a humble, matter-of-fact way? Are you just, are you just confident before God? So this, this is where we go now in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians in verse 4, where Paul actually pulls that word out. And he says, such what? Such confidence. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. So everything about confidence doesn't have, he's cluing us in. It has nothing to do with being personally impressive. It has everything to do with the confidence being rooted in something else, in that awesome God we worship this morning. So our confidence comes from God. He is made as competent as ministers of a new covenant, We'll unpack that in a minute. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. His two code words here in chapter 3, letter and Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So before we dive into that, um, what what is it that that weakens our spiritual confidence? What are the three? I would say the top three are, first of all, a guilty conscience. A guilty conscience. Um, It's hard to have spiritually confidence confidence when you know when you feel guilty in the sight of God and we're going to be diving into that in chapter 7 of 2nd Corinthians Uh, but let me just say up front you know guilt is like cholesterol right there's the good kind and there's the bad kind and uh, if there's the good kind you better listen to it and if it's the bad kind you better get over yourself with the help of the Lord because it'll, take, it'll, it'll drain your spiritual confidence. You've got people in your life that really need you spiritually confident, that really need you praying in faith for them without just tripping over yourself spiritually all the time. Then, seemingly unanswered prayer. And all of us have prayers that don't seem answered right now. We're gonna be addressing that issue in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. But I, you notice I use the word seemingly. There's a larger picture here even though what you cried out to God for this specific situation may not have turned out, there, there is a bigger picture, and, and there is something sovereign. Your crying out to God still makes a difference. And, but just that, that growing list of prayers, God hasn't seemed to answer in my life yet, those things can really erode our spiritual confidence if we're not careful. We'll get to that in chapter 12. But the one he deals with right here in chapter three is what I simply call a preoccupation with personal performance. I mean, I just get preoccupied with what I bring to the table here, with personal performance. Now, I have a friend, her name is Dr. Gail Johnson. She just published an incredible book. I recommend all of you, uh, any of you to read. It's called All There. And she chronicles her journey being, she's always been a very busy volunteer. And then she actually went into career ministry and. And, and she ended in a ditch spiritually. She ended just burnt out and frustrated and empty. And how, how could this happen? And she writes these amazing words. I failed to realize that pushing and shoving and doing all the quote-unquote right things does not bring life to your soul ever. It doesn't. I mean, we can, we, we just keep trying harder. We, we, we think that voice that voice inside it, it may not be the voice of god but it keeps keeps saying to us try harder do more and she said i found that ended me in a ditch it, it's not what brings life to your soul so this is what paul is doing in that verse we just read with those two code words letter and spirit he said he, he said did you notice he said the let in fact let's read it again he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant in other words we can have spiritual confidence but this new covenant, as you know, our Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. That's the old covenant. The New Testament is the new covenant. The Old Testament precedes Christ, points to Christ. The new covenant is fulfilled in Christ. It's the new situation that we now live in, in Christ. And, and this new covenant, he says, is going to do something for us, the old covenant did, because the old covenant had what he called the letter. What's that? It's the letter of the law. In, in other words, the old covenant pointed out sin, but it could not defeat sin. And that leaves me rather hopeless. That leaves me with my own track record. And if my spiritual confidence is based on my track record, um, I'm in trouble. But this new covenant in Christ brings power to transform us. So he says it's not of the letter or, 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 or God's requirements. And the letter of the law the pinnacle of the old testament law was to love the lord your god with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself and and jesus reaffirmed that that's what this is all about except he gave us that requirement and didn't give us any firepower to fulfill it he just left it up to you but now in this new situation in jesus It doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with us getting everything right. It starts with a life-transforming reality that comes to us because of Christ. And and this, if if you've lived in the Bible Belt a long time, if you've come to church like this for a long time, it is very easy for us to, to encounter Christ and then slip back to all the pressures on me to make everything happen. And it's what I call a deficient view of the gospel of jesus christ let me illustrate this way elise Fitzpatrick, a few years ago she wrote a book entitled give them grace it actually is a parenting book give them grace and she writes i recently had a conversation with a young woman in her early 20s who had been raised in a christian home had attended church for most of her life after assuring me that she was indeed saved that she knew christ i asked her Well, what does that mean what does it mean to be a Christian she replied it means you ask Jesus into your heart yes all right but what does that mean well it means you ask Jesus to forgive you okay but what do you ask Jesus to forgive you for bad things I guess I guess you ask him to forgive bad things send you done well like what at that point, it was like a deer staring me in the headlights. So I thought I'd try a different tack. Why would Jesus forgive you? She fidgeted, because um, you ask him? I asked, what do you, well, what do you think God wants you to know? So at that moment, she just lit up. Her face just beamed and she said, God wants me to know that I should love myself and that there's nothing I can't do if I think I can. Well then, what does God want from you, I ask. He wants me to do good stuff, you know, be nice to others and don't hang around with bad people. And Fitzpatrick then writes, we have transformed the holy, terrifying, magnificent, and loving God of the Bible into Santa Claus and his elves. We have told them that being good, at least outwardly, is the be-end and end-all of their faith. This is not the gospel, and it's so true. Even a Bible Belt city like Springfield, you go on the street afterwards say, how do you think someone becomes a Christian? And they'll very be, say, attend church and do good works. And that's not the gospel because the gospel doesn't start with the pressure being on us to get it right the bible starts with what we celebrate at communion the gospel starts with jesus doing something for us when he died on the cross for us that is the starting point but may i also say to you not only is that the starting point that's the continuing point it's not like we get started out by god's grace which means nothing i deserve but then we We turn around and start putting all the pressure on ourselves, like like my friend Gail, who said, I I failed to realize that pushing and shoving and doing all the right things does not bring life to your soul. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't live obedient lives, but that doesn't come first. What comes first is a life-changing encounter with Jesus and the glory of God. And so in the next verse, after talking about the law killing and the spirit giving life, this new situation in the reality of the gospel, then Paul says, he starts to play with his word, use this word, glory. And he said, now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? So Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. This is an Old Testament story, of course. And he was in the presence of God for so many days that he came back, his face was literally glowing, reflecting the glory of God. And he came with what Paul just simply says, engraved in letters of stone. That was the Ten Commandments engraved. And that's still, I mean, the first half of the Ten Commandments are how we love God. The second half are some examples of how we love one another. This is still God's moral standard for all of us. And he came back and his face was shining because that is God's standard for us. But he said, there is a new ministry. It's the ministry of the Spirit in Jesus. And if the old, if the law without power to obey the law was glorious, how much more glorious is this new situation in Christ going to be? Next verse, verse 10. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if that which was transitory came with glory, the old that just passed away, it's transitory, temporary. If that which is transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, being people of the greater glory, we are very bold. We are not tripping over ourselves in insecurity every time we pray for people. We, we are not saying, oh, I'm not that good a Christian. No, you are in Christ. This is spiritual confidence. We start and we continue in the great glory of what God has done for us. But this problem of defaulting back, I call it defaulting back into the fading glory. Here's what it looks like in our lives sometimes. You know, where eventually with time, encountering God is reduced to just attending events. Are you walking with God? Yes, I went to church today. No, I'm so glad you're in church. And we need the gathering of one another but listen if we're not careful we we leave the greater glory and get back into that fading glory of 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 what what was temporary and what was totally dependent on what we bring to the table our efforts our exertion our willpower all of these things that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ And sometimes spirituality for some of us has been reduced to attending events rather than encountering God. I'd love if you could honestly say to someone later today, today I went to church and I was touched by the power and presence of God. It's not that you don't go to church. It's that you go, but it's more than an event. Or sometimes you've heard me say this before, if you've been around for a while, spiritual disciplines become duties rather than doorways. And I had to fight this a lot in my life. Like, 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 I get brownie points. I get extra credit with God if I spend 20 minutes in the morning praying before I go out into my day. And people would say to me, if you don't spend 20 minutes praying in the morning, you're going to have a bad day. So why do I want to spend 20 minutes in the morning? Because I want to encounter God. No, because I want to have a good day. And I just feel it's part of the checklist. Okay, God, I've done all the right things. But encountering you It's just a duty I do to get extra credit with God rather than a doorway into the presence of God. And these spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting, scripture reading, scripture meditation, solitude, Sabbath, all the spiritual disciplines. They're not ought to's. They ought to be, I want to because I'm hungry for him because I'm gonna live not in what I bring to the table, but I'm gonna live in being hungry for the greater glory that begins to transform me. The spirit brings life, the letter kills. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. And then external rituals begin to replace internal transition, uh, transformation, where we get this religious spirit and everything about our spirituality is is defined by external kind of rituals. and and. In, in Paul's time, uh, there were a lot of things added on to life in the spirit, just loving God and being transformed by Him. A lot of things had been added on. In fact, Colossians chapter two. Let's leave Second Corinthians for a minute. Colossians chapter two, verse twenty-one. Paul just lands on this. He said, "Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch." He's quoting them, very religious people. These rules, which have nothing to do with things that are destined, these things which have to do with only things that are destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Get this, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining self-sensual indulgence. External adherence to do's and don'ts is not the starting place because it doesn't change your heart. This is what Paul's getting at. And, and we, we can default back into that old glory that it feels religious, it feels right. And it's not that you don't have disciplines, but they come. It's not you don't do good works, but those come second to, first of all, encountering the glory of Christ and having him transform you. It's really embracing a new way. So Dr. Gail, um, who I quoted at the beginning, remember she said, I, I found that in my life, you know, the pushing and the shoving and doing all the right things did not bri- does never bring life to your soul it's, it's got to be relocated it's a whole different way of viewing the christian life it's the gospel way of viewing the christian life my efforts and my exertions my teeth gritting discipline is not the starting point there's uh, there's a new way here's how she put it as she continued to unpack this in her book surprisingly i did not hear the accusing voice i heard so often you need to try harder," she said. It used to be that—that's the only voice I heard. Just try harder, try harder, try harder. She said, "Surprisingly, as God sent me on this gospel journey, I—that wasn't—that wasn't what I heard now. Instead, in reality, my restless soul was a sign of God's gracious activity. I was not the one producing this. I was the one." being acted upon even her hunger for god even her restlessness at just doing 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 satisfying her spiritually even that restlessness was an evidence and this is grace this is not us acting for god or towards him or in spite of him this is god acting towards us that's our story god acted towards me and he said, even my restlessness was a sign that God was already acting towards me. She goes on to say, my longing for something more did not come by my own efforts, but by way of invitation. Instead of me striving, I heard Jesus inviting me. In fact, this is an amazing statement. Perhaps a spiritual life is less about striving and more about noticing invitations. And so she told me personally, she said the great renovation in my life was instead of constantly focusing on my performance, she said, God began to have me through the spiritual disciplines, through my whole way of relating to him. He started me having having me focus on his activity and not just be obsessed with my activity because our life is just responding to him and his invitation. That's a powerful way of describing a gospel-centered life. It's less about striving and more about noticing God's invitations. And God gives us two kinds of invitations, which Paul which Paul uh, identifies in the last two verses of this chapter, the next couple of verses. First of all, this kind of life will be an invitation to an exchange, life not necessarily a trying harder life but an exchange life and that's why in verse 17 he says now the lord is the spirit remember he said the letter brings death all our efforts on our own bring death but the spirit brings life now he says the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom that's a confidence word there's freedom there is where we put our confidence and in other words it's not what i do it's what god's doing well pastor this is a little different than stuff i've heard before i mean are you sure you're being biblical here well galatians chapter 2 verse 19 he said for through the law i died to the law so i might live for god and so he says there's something more than the letter that governs my life now i kind of died to all the pressure being on me instead i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live i mean Of course, he's physically alive but I in a way I no longer live but Christ lives in me can you imagine a life like that a life where it's Christ actually living through you this is what the gospel has designed us for this is why we have spiritual confidence it's not the pressures not on me but by faith I come to him mess that I am some days and I say oh Jesus will you live through me today My confidence today is going to be in you living through me, not on me just being particularly impressive in your sight and earning some extra brownie points from you. I mean, this is the exchange life. Not that I live, but Christ lives through me. And then that exchange life leads in the next verse to the attentive life, the attentive life. For after saying we're the spirit of the Lord, there is, is, there is freedom. In other words, it's God's spirit that's now living through us. It's God's spirit that's changing us. We start with him, not us. Then he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. He's talking about Moses wearing that veil over his face in the old, in the old covenant. We don't have a veil. We, we can see the Lord. And, and we can know him personally. Because Jesus took away our sin, Jesus. Remember our verse at communion? We can approach God with freedom and confidence. Why? Because of Christ and faith in him. Because he shed his blood. His blood's a red carpet into his presence. I mean, this stuff gives us confidence. And so we we come, we can approach God. And it's it's this unveiled face where we contemplate the Lord's glory that we are being transformed into his image. How do you get transformed into his image? Gritting your teeth? No. It's just learning to contemplate. That word contemplate just means to pay attention. It means to pay attention. In, in neuroplasticity, plasticity, that field of, of brain science today, Um, Neuroplasticity says you become, you literally chemically rewire. You become what you pay attention to. Paul got this 2,000 years ago spiritually. He said, you're going to become what you pay attention to. My friend Gail kept paying attention to all the pressure that was on her to get everything right. And she just ended up spiritually empty. But you start paying attention to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You just start loving him. Okay, you're struggling with spiritual disciplines. Forget it. Just become hungry for him. Just put, put those earbuds on and start pacing your house and worshiping the Lord. Get the pressure off yourself and just start contemplating the glory of God. Just spend time. I mean, it may not even, I don't even use a prayer list some days. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I just need him because he's the one I found that really changes me. And and then I do good works, and then I obey Him, but with strength and with a transformed heart. We all, um, contemplating the Lord's glory, are transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What an invitation to live an exchange life and to live an attentive life and and to have the pressure off us and on Him. And, And so, He's not following us. We're just following Him. And I'm not doing this. I have to make right choices with his help. But I'm not doing it in my strength. I'm doing it because I'm just trying to pay attention to him all the time. Sometimes I walk down a hallway and say, Lord, I just need you right now. I'm going into conversation. I have no clue what to say. But all I know is you've called me to minister to this person. I just need you. Sometimes I go, God, I just, I don't, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why, whatever. And I start having these spiritual insecurity fits. And Jesus just comes back and says, your confidence is not built on your impressiveness. Your confidence, we sang it this morning, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, including all the pressure being on me, is sinking sand. This is it, beholding the Lord's glory. The worship team, come will you stand with me for, for a few minutes. Lord, thank you. Just we just need to reach out to him right now. In fact, we're just gonna linger for a few moments in his presence. We're gonna sing a couple of worship songs and before Pastor Steve comes and closes and Maybe you need Jesus, your heart's not right with him. I just want you, I, I just, maybe you've never heard the Christian life described in any other way than go to church and try hard to do good things. Well, your track record in that hasn't been that good. But, but you, you need the Lord you know you can wash your sin away and just you just right now open your heart to him others of you may just be tired trying to follow jesus in your own strength It just sort of defaulted back to the fading glory and 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 it's just all become a list of obligations for you But you just need the power of god to touch you afresh you need to be baptized in the holy spirit afresh you just need him and so we're going to sing songs to just help just declare god being that to us and our hunger for him and if you would like to remain standing if you like to sit if you'd like to come and kneel at the front you, you feel or stand at the front If you just feel you need to take a step towards the Lord in that way you, you do whatever but we're here we're here Lord we're here to contemplate not our performance but your glory your glory that transforms us oh God make us people of your spirit help us to live not by flesh and strength in ourselves but by you because we love you you're the king of our hearts you're the lord of our lives you're the great shepherd you're the one who has overcome on our behalf thank you lord thank you lord we praise you hallelujah in jesus name